Welcome back on the most important stop of the day. This is the Money Stop presented by Kicking the Tires and Sharp Link Gaming. He's Cole Cusimano. I'm Stephen Cusimano. And one of us was in Bristol last week. It was not me. It was you, Cole. Denny Hamlin wins at Bristol. And three weeks in a row, we've seen, I think, three teams assert themselves as teams to watch for the Final Four. You've got William Byron. You've got Tyler Reddick. And you've got, finally, Denny Hamlin. It was a matter of time before he clicked off a win in the playoffs, and it was a really, really solid race, and, and Denny wound up being uh, ruffling a lot of feathers with some of his comments after the race, too. Yeah, I honestly, I'm so here for villain Denny. I think it's the fun, funnest thing to watch. I think it's great for the sport. Whether you love him or you hate him, it's great entertainment. And um, I had an absolute blast in Bristol. It was better than I ever could have imagined, and I wasn't going to give you a little, a little rundown from my experience, but honestly, it's just really hard to articulate how surreal the whole experience was. Um, I mean, just being under those lights in that venue with being in such close proximity to everything around, around you, the cars, the haulers, the teams, the media, like everything is condensed right there. It just feels like a a stadium, like big game, big moment feel. And it it, it left me just honestly bewildered. It was incredible i had my one bristol moment um in in the sense that um i got to watch dale jr lead laps in the Xfinity series and then the defining moment of the entire trip was just when his car or he literally caught on a fire with seven to go and um he walked out of the, out of the infield care center with a burn on his fire suit uh right heel of his leg so that was really cool to experience and be, be a part of bristol's uh infinite list of iconic moments to happen in that facility and just the whole weekend was, like I said, such a surreal experience. I really can't explain how great it was. It's it's it's, it's like one of those things where you got to be there to see it, to believe it. But um, I cannot recommend Bristol enough. It was incredible. The race itself for the Cup Series wasn't extremely entertaining, in my opinion. I think the short track package is still going through some growing pains with the next-gen car. But with that said, this was a very, very well-earned win for Denny Hamlin and very well-earned top 10, the seven playoff drivers to finish inside the top 10, because we saw almost every single driver in the round of 16 struggle in this race, with the exception of Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, and Michael McDowell. And even Hamlin and Larson had struggles in their own regards. But um, you saw Lagana, who missed the round of 12, um, Kevin Harvick, other guys like Truex, Blaney, all these drivers in this round of 16 really struggled. And I think that's why this is a perfect... Um, finale for the round of 16 because it really awards um, complete execution and just playing on the that the whole atmosphere I was talking about that big game big moment feel it just it, it felt like a, a real playoff event and I think that rewarded um, the, the drivers that deserve to go to the next round it was amazing it's such a gauntlet when you have to start at Darlington and end at Bristol it's going to bring the best out of every driver and every team and like you mentioned a lot of playoff drivers with good results finishing in the top 10 and we'll roll through it. Kyle Larson was the runner-up. Christopher Bell in third. Another team that, in my opinion, has very under-the-radar kind of presented themselves as a potential sleeper for the championship, ending entering the round of 12. You got Chris Buescher fourth. Ty Gibbs with a really strong run in the top five. Michael McDowell in sixth place. Chase Elliott seventh. Brad Keselowski, who was my pick to win, wound up eighth. William Byron ninth. And then Ricky Stenhouse Jr., my sleeper for the win, wound up in the top 10. So you saw some teams that needed to have good runs had good runs, uh, and closing the book on Bristol, I, I think you summed it up really well. I'd like to get out there at some point in my lifetime, especially after hearing your account. You know, you get those kind of Bristol moments every time you go. Sometimes it's like 
again, the Tony Stewart helmet throw, and then sometimes it's something as obscure as Dale Jr.'s fire suit being caught on fire. So you never know what you're going to see at Bristol, but we know we have a round of 12 field net. It's going to shift to Texas now. And as you mentioned, the fact that the short track package is kind of lacking right now and going through its growing pains, we go to a track that's been the bread and butter of this new next-gen package in an intermediate speedway like Texas. And as we shift gears to that, um, starting off by saying our nickel or dime segment now is on social media. So we started to make room for, for those of you who might have missed a couple episodes, we like to talk a little bit about prop bets and certain drivers that you can bet head-to-head and parlay together. Uh, so we added a segment like that at the end. And it being as our nickel or dime uh, segment where we'll talk about the paint schemes is very visual, it's now full-time on social media. So I thought it was really cool that you were able to get out there in person and take some pictures and videos of some of the paint schemes we saw last week. I thought the six car looked sick from your your pictures and videos on the the story on Instagram, Um, but that is going to be on social media. So if you want to see the paint schemes and rate them for Texas, head to at the underscore money stop on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. But as we now go to Texas, Cole, uh, we'll determine the starting lineup 120 Eastern time on Friday. So this will be something that obviously we say every week we record these episodes early. We go through the numbers entering the weekend, but a lot can change over the course of practice and qualifying. The ebbs and flows of if anyone has backup cars, developing storylines, penalties that might happen, cars that can't qualify. There's a lot to keep track of over the weekend. So stay tuned as well to at the underscore money stop for those types of updates as well. But as we take a look at our favorites this week, Colt, presented by BetMGM and uh, SharpLink Gaming, Denny Hamlin is the favorite for the win, plus 525. I mentioned that was one of the teams that really cemented themselves as a favorite for the championship, and they are the favorite the very next week. Kyle Larson is the other driver that really cemented himself with a round one win. I think those are kind of the four, was Larson, Byron, Denny Hamlin, and Tyler Reddick that really made statements in the first round of the playoffs. So Larson is plus 600, second highest odds, and they've got a three-way tie for third with the two drivers I just mentioned, William Byron, Tyler Reddick, and then Martin Truex Jr. with a clean slate. It's like nothing happened. He was able to find his way into the round of 12. That team moves on, and they're going to have a very short-term memory as they head to Texas. So as you look at that top five, Colt, Vegas is clearly favoring the drivers that we mentioned off the top that are the favorites to make the championship for coming out of the round of 16. Yeah, I think it's super cut and dry going into Texas. Um, it's been all Hendrick and Toyota at the mile and a half this season. Um, there's there's honestly been no competition between those two organizations and manufacturers, I guess. But you could obviously throw in 2311 racing. Uh, they won the last mile and a half race. But uh, don't count the Fords as well. We're going to roll through the uh, our, our favorite sleepers and values here. And there's some really, really sneaky good blue ovals in the field uh, for this race coming up at Texas. But with that... I will kick things off with our my favorite for this race going in, and that'll be Kyle Larson. Again, his value is plus 600, second best behind Denny Hamlin, and he is the most expensive driver in DFS at $11,200. Kyle Larson had a 2.3 average finish in the round of 16, which is the best ever uh, since this format was introduced back in 2014. And that speaks volumes because this was not a driver in a team that was really performing at what their potential is throughout the entire season. A lot of bad breaks. Um, just really weren't capitalizing on big moments and big speed. But even like with that average, it, it's a little misleading because they, they've had to battle adversity. And case in point was at Bristol. They started from the rear. He messed up in qualifying. And he had to start from the tail end of the field once again, I believe, uh, to start stage two because he had a speeding penalty on pit road. So he rallied to finish second in this race. And it just goes to show you that Kyle Larson's going to be a, a player 
um, until we get down to Phoenix here. But he had a lowest finish of fourth in that round of 16, and 174 laps led between all three races in that in that round of 16 set. But speaking on the mile-and-a-half program for Kyle Larson, two runner-ups on the traditional mile-and-a-half ovals this season, and he finished fourth in that race at Kansas in the round of 16. So he's been really, really consistent, one of the best cars by far on those mile-and-a-halves. And I think no one's going to want a win in this opening race of the round of 12 more than Kyle Larson because you look at how the next races line up. Talladega, he's been very outspoken. He is not a fan of racing at those drafting tracks. And then you have the Roval, which obviously he's he's always touted as a really good road course racer, but there's just going to be so many unknowns um, given the nature of the Roval itself. And then the reintroduction of the uh, stage cautions, they're, they're doing the restart zone in the chicane right now. So there's just a lot at play in both those races. And I think you look at how they set up for other drivers in the round of 12, and, and Kyle Larson's got to be itching to win uh, right out the gates once again here at uh at Texas. But in, in regards to Texas, he has one win back in 2021. He finished ninth there last year, and he's finished top 10 in both of his Hendrick Motorsport starts, which is important to note because he has a career average 17.8 finish at Texas with four DNFs. But what you're really considering is, is Hendrick Motorsport's stats, and that's the two top 10s, including the win. So I like Kyle Larson a lot this week, speaking on his um, prowess in the round of 16. And then I think the one driver who I think is the best value in our favorites category and who I think should be the favorite going into this race is Tyler Reddick. Again, he is um, the third favorite at plus 800, and his value is 10,200 for DFS. Um, He finished first, second, and 15th in the round of 16 for a sixth-place average in that three-race set. And I spoke on it earlier 2311 Toyota's dominant the mile and a half tracks is nothing to joke about. It's it's the real deal. He won at Kansas um, in the round of 16. He has a lowest finish of 15th on those traditional mile and a half ovals with laps led in every single start this season on those types of tracks. And he also won the only next-gen start points-paying race at Texas. Blaney won the other one that wasn't points-paying in the all-star race, but he has a 6.8 average in four starts at Texas, which leads the uh, the entire field. Obviously, it's a small sample size, but given Toyota in 2311 and Reddick's dominance on these style tracks, I think it's, it's a no-brainer that Tyler Reddick's got to be um, one of the favorites, if not the favorite, going into Texas this weekend. Both really great picks, and you mentioned the two of those guys both won races in the round of 16. I mentioned how Gristol and Darlington being in that round is a gauntlet, but you mentioned the Roval and Talladega. You could argue that there aren't more uh, races in one particular round that are wild cards than those two there. So I think there's a lot of teams. You hit it right on the head with Larson. There's a lot of teams this week that probably are looking at this week as one of the only, I guess, normal weeks where everyone's got a clean slate. You don't have to worry about the points cut off at Talladega. And then, as you said, all hell can break loose at the Roval. So I think there's a lot of teams that are putting a high priority on this first race in the round of 12. Maybe one of those is Denny Hamlin. I mean, you want to capitalize off of the momentum you're already at, and at plus 525 for the win, there's no a driver that Vegas is favoring more for the win. He's the second most expensive in daily fantasy at $11,000, and coming off the win and a runner-up, he was arguably the top driver in the round of 16, along with maybe, as you mentioned, Cole Larson and Redick, but Denny Hamlin, in addition to the finishes, he also led 382 laps, which was the most by far in the round of 16. And a lot of that, of course, has to do with the fact that he led a lot of laps at the short track, Bristol, and that pads the stat sheet a little bit. But he ran rail all throughout all three of these races, an average finish 
of fifth in the last two races, and then an average finish of eighth, or average running position, rather, of eighth at Darlington and fifth in the two races before that. So what you need to know is that Denny not only finished well, he ran up front, he led laps, and he had a great average running position. So that team is clicking on all cylinders right now. Three wins at Texas as well, but the only thing with that stat is that the last one was in 2019. Only led 15 laps in his last five starts there, but does have a 5.6 average finish in the last five starts there with a best finish of ninth. So I think you kind of look at where they're at right now. They probably put up the most impressive round of 16. Since the next-gen car has been rolled out, not one of the top drivers at Texas, but still really good. I mean, a 5.6 average finish is nothing to joke about. So uh, that's a team I'll have my eye on. I don't know if I'm going to pick them for the win, but definitely a team that if you want to minimize risk in daily fantasy, you're paying uh, every m money worth of the 11000 is is money well spent for Denny Hamlin. A driver I like a little bit more because I mentioned that I think this team kind of made a statement in the round of 16, but I think there's more to be proven is the 24 team in William Byron because they finished, first of all, 7th at Texas last year with 42 laps led and then runner-up the prior season. So he's put up some good results here. Almost 100 laps led between those two Texas starts in the next-gen era. And then he's been a, a solid top-10 car since the playoffs have begun. Obviously, they had a lot of cushion from the playoff points with the five wins under their belt. Weren't trying to do anything crazy. Um, but they ran solid. I think that there's more in the tank for this team. You mentioned how it seemed like the five-team and Kyle Larson really flipped a switch and took it to the next level once the playoffs began. And I think that this 24 team, we saw it last year and even the year before, the longer the playoffs went on, the stronger that team got. And I'm expecting that to be the same this season as it's the same slate of 10 races. Obviously not as flashy as those other drivers in the favorites category we, we named, but there's a reason why Willie B is in our, our top four this week. He had a tough result at Kansas, obviously mentioned that we want to see a little bit more from that team in the round of 12. 15th place at Kansas, but outside of that, top three finishes in all of the traditional mile-and-a-half tracks this year, and he had the win at Vegas. So this is a team that all year, when we've head to the mile-and-a-half tracks, I've been thinking of the 24 team in William Byron and foreshadowing what our big money bets might look like. I feel like a William Byron top three or top five prop bet might be a really good one to bank on this week, and plus 800 for the win to me is a little bit of a value considering how good that team has been on these types of tracks all year. Yeah, I think he hit the nail on the head. The two best values for sure are going to be William Byron and Tyler Reddick. In regards to Byron, I think he's definitely been the lesser of the more dominant in this favorites category in the round of 16. But definitely, I think he, he can make a case as the fourth best playoff driver so far this season. Um, and I think in saying that there's more left in the tank and more to prove, that begins with Texas. Because their mile-and-a-half program, as you mentioned, they've only scored podium finishes outside that 15th place at Kansas last week. Um, and if they can prove themselves again and be a strong contender for the win in this race, not even win it, just be a contender for the win, I think that'll give me some more confidence going forward with this team. But um, obviously still one of the best in the garage area. And then on Denny Hamlin really quick, I, I left out the one in the 5.6 average in the last five starts. It's a 15.6 average in his last five starts at um, Texas. Uh -huh. So he hasn't been the best. He's only led 15 laps in that five-race stretch. So he's he's not been one of the best drivers um, at Texas as of late. But he has the three wins last in 2019. And I think he's been by far and away the best driver in the playoffs so far. He could have easily won all three races in the round of 16. And I think he's just in a very good spot mentally. He's having fun. And that's a very dangerous Denny Hamlin. So with that, let's roll on to the our sleepers here, the guys that can make you a lot of money, whether it be for a race winner or more from a DFS sense. 
And I'll kick it off with two blue ovals, and on, on two very similar but different ends of the playoff spectrum. So, beginning with Brad Keselowski, who is valued at plus 1700 for the win and valued at $8,900 for DFS. He finished top 10 in all three races in the round of 16 with a 7.7 average, so really, really consistent and, and really, really successfully consistent at that. And it could have been even better, I think, at Kansas they kind of got screwed on a late race restart, but nonetheless, a 7.7 average for a team that wasn't even in the playoffs last year is really impressive, and I think they have definitely can be considered one of the top dogs right now, at least in the, in the top half of this round of, round of 12. Um, he is winless at Texas, but he is riding a four-race top 10 streak there, finishing eighth there most recently in 2022, and he also has 685 laps led there, which is the fourth most in the field. And I think that's obviously a very important stat to note when t- thinking about DFS. I think Brad's just a, an all-around really good value this week at $8,900. Um, speaking again on his consistency and how he's run up front at uh, Texas a lot in his career. But the other guy I'm looking at is someone who's similar to Brad in the sense they've been consistent in this round of 16 so far. Um, but they haven't been able to capitalize on the results they probably deserve. So... Um, they finished 9th at Darlington, 12th at Kansas, 22nd at Bristol. Obviously, Bristol, they definitely probably should have round up around there, maybe top 15. But the 12th place at Kansas, they were in line for a top 5 day, at least top 10 day, before that late race caution came out and ironically messed up both his and Brad's finishes in that race. But uh, regardless, they've been a very, very consistent team in the playoffs, very under the radar. I'd rank them below Brad Keselowski and Chris Buescher, maybe. So still in that, like top half of the top 12 in, the, in this next round, but I want to see more from that team, and that, again, that begins with Texas, because he's riding a five-race top 10 streak there, which is the longest active streak in the field. He finished fourth there in 2022, mentioned before that he won the all-star race there last year as well, and he also has nearly 200 laps led in those five races that he has the top 10 streak going on, so he's been really, really good at Texas, and he's also finished top 10 in over half his starts there with a 15.5 average, and I think when you think about Ryan Blaney and where this team is at and the organization in general, Team Penske, they're definitely a tick behind RFK. So I'm looking at them to be a top 10 team with the obvious potential for a top five and maybe even the win. Um, I'm, I'm going to say an outside chance to win because they haven't really contended that much this year. But uh, nonetheless, they figure to be a really strong contender um, for a top five finish at Texas. Yeah, this sleepers category, it kind of feels like a who's who of drivers that are poised to potentially break out because they were all very solid, very consistent in the round of 16. And I feel like one good result in terms of a win could really put these teams over the top and make a real statement. So you talked about Brad, you talked about Blaney, and you also touched a little bit on Chris Busher, And he's valued at plus 1,700 for the win, which to me seems like a really good value. I mean, you talk about a guy that won three of the last five races entering the postseason, and then he finishes top five at both Darlington and Bristol. I mean, that's... You talk about the guys that are just outside that top four, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, Chris Buescher's absolutely in that mix. You mentioned how that RFK stable has been the best four team in the garage. It's not even debatable. Uh, And he's valued at 8,800 in Daily Fantasy, which to me is a borderline lock. You think about the last time they were at Kansas, uh, he had a tire go down with seven to go, but at the time was was running 12th. And that was at the time where this team was not running as well as it is now. They're clicking on all cylinders. Top fives, what seems like every single week for that 17 team. He had an average running position of 13th in that race, and he had an average running pers- running position of 7th and 8th 
in the other two races. So it's a team that's running very well right now. Top 10 speed, top 5 speed. They've shown they can contend for wins and close out these wins. Obviously, there's the caveat that he's only had one top 10 at mile and a half tracks this year. But every single week, every track we go to, he's certifying himself as a weekly contender. And I'm willing to believe that trend holds true as we start this round of 12. And they want to make a statement, too, after they obviously made a statement entering the playoffs and prove they're one of the top, as you said, five or six teams during the round of 16. They want to prove that they're going to be a contender to make it all the way and potentially punch their ticket into the round of eight. Um, another team that was really strong in the round of 16 that I think seems to be finding their groove at the perfect time of the season is Christopher Bell in the 20 team because we've seen it all year. They can lead laps, really strong stage one teams, a strong stage two team, but everything just seems to go wrong for that team all season long except for in the playoffs. You're starting to see some really promising consistency at the right time. Uh, polls in all three round of 16 events. So that makes me a little bit cautious about the 9,900 value in daily fantasy because obviously anytime you start first and you don't finish first, you're losing points on place differential right off the bat. But they've shown they can lead laps. 242 laps led between all three starts coming from the polls. So that's a, a driver that's going to give you some laps led uh, running up front, starting up front. Finished eighth and third in the last two races and then ran into trouble at Darlington, which was obviously a race that we talked about. He had a great stage one, great start to that race where all hell broke loose in the later stages. But that team feels like they're kind of on the cusp of breaking out, and especially when you consider how good the other Gibbs teams have been. A top five even for Ty Gibbs last week. Martin Truex Jr. has been one of the best teams in the garage all year long. And then we're talking about Denny Hamlin as the driver who posted the best round of 16, Christopher Bell's really knocking on the door, and that makes this plus 1,100 price in, in uh, the, the Vegas odds very enticing to me for the win. Again, going to hold back on Daily Fantasy till I see where he qualifies because it's been a very sharp qualifying team all year and especially in the playoffs, but I, I really like both of those values for the win at plus 1,100 for Christopher Bell and plus 1,700 for Chris Buescher as a couple of very solid sleepers for the win. But, Cole, I think that, again... This is the bracket of untapped potential. I think one of these drivers is going to break out this week and post a really good round of, of round of 12. Undoubtedly. I think this has been our bread and butter the entire season, the sleepers category, and I am half banking on one of these drivers winning this race if it's not a Reddick, Larson, or Hamlin. So uh, definitely ones to watch. I think I also failed to mention um, Blaney's values. He's plus 1,200 for the win and 9,400 for DFS. But I love what you said there on Bell. I think they're peaking at the right time. And this is a, a, a trend we've seen throughout his Young Cup career where he kind of goes through the motions of the regular season. Then once the playoffs roll around, he, he finds his rhythm and kicks into a different gear. And um, I think it's going to be a matter of time before he gets a win. He's going to win in the playoffs. I, I, I know that for a fact. I, I just feel it. And I, you just don't know when it's going to be, but it very well could be at Texas. Um, Moving on to our value picks, um, I'm going to go with two drivers who were actually eliminated in the round of 16, but do not count them out for a quality day because they're both really good at this track or have had really good recency at Texas, and they're both not going to roll over. They're both uh, fighters, and they, they're on some really, really good, strong teams. So I will begin first with one very obscure one, and that's going to be Joey Logano, and he's going to be one of a few names we'll hear in this in this uh, value picks category that's in really good equipment, but a really good DFS value, which is $8,100 for Logano. Um, he did struggle in the round of 16, but he did finish top five in our last mile and a half race at Kansas. So that's definitely something to keep note of. 
He also has one win at Texas back in 2014, also finished runner-up there last year, and he has four top 10s and three top fives in his last five Texas starts, the only outlier being an engine issue. So this is a driver that's proven that he can run up front and challenge for wins in the last five races at Texas, which is very, very important to note. And I think that's something that, that the odds makers aren't taking into consideration when you look at his DFS value. Just because he got eliminated from the round, round of 16 does not mean he's not going to be a contender. It's Joey Logano. He's, he's the reigning champion. You can't count him out. And um, I think you go out there and you look at the, the, the values this week, and it's really hard to, to build a, a really solid, stable lineup. But you see someone like, someone like Logano right below the average re, uh, remaining salary recommendation. And I don't think you could pass up on a guy that has a win here and in, has the equipment that he's running in. And he finished runner-up there last year at Texas. So um, I think Logano is a really, really solid, maybe even a borderline lock pick for DFS. And then the one driver I'm going to call a lock for myself personally, just seeing how this team performed last week, how they performed all season, and specifically seeing their value this week is what makes him a lock at because um as mentioned there's a lot of there's there's not a lot of money to play with this week when when you're separating the tiers of drivers and make, making your lineups and if you look at somebody like Michael McDowell at $6300 I think he's somebody that's run well enough that'll give you um some safety going into this week and he that's a really really good value He's coming off one of the best performances of his career at Bristol, and I know he didn't make the round of 12, but the speed has been there. He qualified in the top 10 in all three of these races, and just speaking on Bristol for a second, he was running top five the entire race. If they got on the front row, they probably would have made a serious run at this race, seeing as how track position was so pivotal at Bristol, but um, they just... Did not quit in this race. They left it all out there. And I think just hearing how Travis Peterson coached McDowell through the entire night was really eye-opening for me. It really kind of gave me some inklings of a Cliff Daniels in a way or a Chris Gapehart, just that calm and cool demeanor on the radio that really motivated him to go out there, put down some of the fastest laps consistently, and run in the top five the entire night. And um, just speaking with Travis post-race and Michael post-race, this is a team that's not laying down. They knew that the round of 12 was going to be an uphill battle, but their goal going into the final seven races is, is to finish top 10 in the points. And I truly believe, given how this team is run, that they can make a run at that. And I think that begins with putting their foot down and coming off with a, a really, really strong start for the round of 12 at Texas. And speaking on that, he got a career-best finish of 11th there last year with laps led, and he's also finished 17th, 26th and 15th in the prior three races there. So he's been a really solid, consistent driver in a sense where he's running or he was running around top 15, but this is a different driver, a different team. I'm expecting a, a, him to challenge for a top 10 finish. And I think he's a lock for me personally, just seeing his value at $6,300 for DFS. Yeah, there's some really good values in this tier. Uh, and I like the idea of this being kind of a playoff spoiler tier because that it seems like there's some value with both of those drivers, and then the two I'm going to name, too. You talk about the, the fact that William Byron, Kyle Larson have both had really good success in this mile-and-a-half package, and I think there's another Hendrick Chevy that's very undervalued this week in Alex Bowman, valued at 7700 They showed really solid speed in the round of 16, 10th and 13th the last two weeks. He's been challenging for top 10s almost every week. He had, obviously, the wreck at Darlington, but 
showing sportier speed than we've seen from that team over kind of the dog days of summer since his injury. Lowest finish of 12th on mile-and-a-half tracks this year, which is very telling to me. Seems like a very good value. And obviously had the season-best third at Kansas. Kind of the definition of go for broke over his last five races at Texas because he had two top fives and then three finishes worse than 29. So you clearly can't even look at his average finish. But based on where that team is at now and how consistently they've been showing speed the last several weeks, it's a good gamble for that value. Like if you spend $7,700 on Bowman and Daily Fantasy, it's not you're not missing out on a whole lot. So that that's borderline lock territory for me. I have a hard time seeing Alex Bowman finish outside the top 15. Uh, that's one team that's been trending in the right direction. Another team that I would say has been trending in the right direction even more so is the 43 team of Eric Jones, and they're even cheaper at 7,300. And he has finished fourth at Texas three separate times, sixth last year as well, third best average finish in the field at 10.1 and 11 starts there, and that's in you know, not the best equipment on certain occasions. I just like the way this team is trending. He only had four starts finishing outside the top 10 at this track in his career. Laps led in over half his starts, and then two top 10s, including a season-best third in the round of 16. So that's a team that obviously is not in the playoffs, but they're another one of those that can play spoiler because they've shown really good speed out of those that are not in the playoffs or those that have been eliminated from the playoffs. I really like that team, the way that they've been trending. Uh, and it it's, would not be a surprise to me to see them click off another top 10 this week, as they did a couple of times in the round of 16. So valued at 7,300 there. Those are really good values, all between 6,300 and 8,100. So some potential locks there. That rounds out 12 drivers. We're going to get this down to six, though. And as we kind of narrow things down here, Cole, you and I like to each pick one driver per tier. So give me your favorite sleeper, favorite value, and then your favorite uh, race winner pick for out of the favorites category. Perfect. Yeah. So for my favorite, I'm going to go with Tyler Reddick. I think they've been one of the best in the mile and a half this year. They won the last mile and a half race and they're going to be a contender for sure. And his stats for Texas speak for themselves. Uh, for my sleeper, I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney. I think that his stats at Texas are not to be slept on in the sleepers category, pun in completely intended. So uh, we'll go with him and I'll go with another blue oval in that same brigade. Enjoy Logano for my value pick. Again, um, he's a former race winner here. He finished runner-up in this race last year, and I think that he's determined to go out there and, you know, put the field on notice after being eliminated the first round as the reigning champion. I'm kind of going the same route as you here because I'm picking another guy that had a really strong round of 16, Denny Hamlin, uh, strongest car in the field by far at Bristol, and you can argue, as you said before, he could have won all three races. So I'm picking him out of the favorites category. I'll take Chris Busher out of the uh, sleepers category, just a team that has shown they can win coming virtually out of nowhere a few weeks before the playoffs, and I really feel like this is a good opportunity for them to flex at an intermediate track, too. And I'll take Eric Jones. I just have a really good feeling about where that team is at at this point. So those are our best values in terms of daily fantasy, race winner picks. Let's talk big money bets here, our favorite prop bets of the week. As of the time we're recording this on BetMGM, I'm not seeing any top 10 or top 5 bets, so you'll have to stay posted to social media for those However, we can give our favorite top three prop bets this week, and I alluded to one already. I'm a big fan of William Byron at plus 225 to be in the top three. That seems like a really, really solid pick to me, considering he's finished top three in every single mile-and-a-half track except for the last one this year. Seems like a really good value, plus 225. And then you could even pick a guy like Denny Hamlin, who 
had obviously the best round of 16, plus 150 to be in the top three. I think that there's some very solid value to pick a, a driver to pin, finish on the podium this week uh, out of what we've seen right now. But we'll, we'll obviously have some more top five and top 10 thoughts once we have those bets out. Yeah, for me, going in blindly without any practice or qualifying, I just personally like the my favorites for the win in Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, and Tyler Reddick and their top three props. You mentioned Hamlin at plus 150. Uh, Larson's plus 175, and Reddick is plus 225. Um, if you feel strongly about a race winner right now, I would probably, I would recommend maybe putting an insurance bet on that. But for me personally, I like to wait until um, practice to really get the, the big money bets hammered down for top three anyway. If we have top five, top ten, it's a different story. But that's a, a really, really tough prop to hit without any knowledge going in. But the other one I also want to throw in there that's kind of obscure was the Joey Logano one at plus 450. Mentioned it when going over him. He, he finished runner-up in the last race there, and he also had uh, three top fives in his last five starts there. So that could be a very under-the-radar one to pick before practice and qualifying, seeing as he's done it three of the last five times they were at Texas. So those would be mine that I would keep an eye on. All right, let's talk parlay bets, Cole. Um, these tend to be ones that we stay away from if it's not something that is really speaking to us. But I feel like there's been a little bit more order on some of these short tracks and intermediate speedways this year to where maybe we could look at some of these prop bet, parlay bets, head-to-head uh, -head drivers, and possibly put a few of these together and, and see how it comes out. So let's roll through these here. I'll get your thoughts initially, and then I'll kind of respond with how I feel. They've got five every week on, on BetMGM. We've got William Byron head-to-head -head with Martin Truex Jr., We've got Bubba Wallace versus Brad Keselowski. Denny Hamlin versus Kyle Larson. That's a tough one to pick. Chris Buescher versus Kyle Busch. And then Ryan Blaney versus Tyler Reddick. So these are a pretty good amount of drivers that we've discussed at length during this episode. I'm curious if there's any of those that jump off the sheet to you. Yeah, for sure. The the, the main one's got to be William Byron over uh, Martin Truex Jr. at minus 125. That's the only one I feel like really, really good about. But the other two that I like were Chris Buescher over Kyle Busch at minus 115 and Brad Keselowski over Bubba Wallace at minus 120. Um, the Keselowski-Wallace one's tough only because I mentioned the prowess of the Toyotas in 23-11 on the mile-and-a-half tracks. Um, with that in mind, Bubba has been pretty abysmal at Texas in his career, so... I do like Kislowski over him, speaking on his consistency. He had that 7.7 .7 average in the round of 16, and he's led a boatload of lap series, done very well at Texas in his career. So I would pick Brad over Bubba. And then for Busher and Bush, um, I just don't think that Kyle Bush has looked great in the round of 16. He's been vocal about that as well. And you mentioned it during your analysis. busher has been one of the more consistent drivers. So I like that one as well. And if you were to parlay those three drivers, it would be plus Five sixteen odds, and if you were to throw $10 on that, you would have an outcome of $61.70. So really a solid way to make some money this week. Um, if you wanted to wait until after practice and qualifying, obviously those odds are going to adjust probably pretty significantly, but I do feel pretty solid about those three match bets at this point in time. Yeah, that's about as good as I have felt about the match, match bets over the past several weeks that we've been adding this segment in. Uh, the first one that I liked the most was Chris Buescher over Kyle Busch. I mean, it's just two teams that are on completely different ends of the spectrum right now in terms of their production. Uh, and then, I'll be, you, you know, I'm not going to be a broken record. I, I agree with the same two that you mentioned, too. 
I, I kind of like Tyler Reddick over Ryan Blaney as well. I think you can make the case for any of these other than Denny Hamlin over Kyle Larson. That That is kind of a complete coin flip to me. Uh, but th- this is a, a pretty solid one. Even if there's only two you like, let's say you just wanted to do Chris Busher and William Byron. That's still plus th- 236 uh, for the odds. So I-, I think it's a really solid value this week. If, if you bet $10 on that, it would get you back 33.65. So it- it's a pretty good week for it. I- I'll definitely say that. But as you mentioned, Cole, it's good advice to wait for qualifying and practice because that's when you can really get a good read on which drivers unload well and which do not. And and how uh, things kind of go from there. But let's take a look, Cole, at our recommended daily fantasy lineup now. We've talked a lot about some of our favorite values of the week, Uh, and and there's a couple ways we could have gone with this, but I I think it's one of those weeks where rather than starting with your ace, it was one where it was better to maybe start with your value picks. And I I look at some drivers at the back end of uh, our lineup. Usually we'll kind of start with the most expensive drivers and work our way down, but I think this is one of those weeks where we kind of built the lineup in reverse. So I like the idea of building the lineup around, or at least starting it with our most expensive value driver of the week, Michael McDowell. So he's valued at 6,300, gives you a, a really solid budget uh, to spend with the rest of your your budget there, uh, with the rest of your, your lineup. Next up, we picked Eric Jones at 7,300, second cheapest driver in our lineup. Alex Bowman, another lock I mentioned at 7,700. So we've got three of our drivers from the value picks category in there. Uh, and then things, you can take it a couple of different directions between uh, our next expen- most expensive driver there. Uh, we've had kind of three that were in the same tier. Brad Keselowski, who was one of our sleepers for the win at 8,900. Ryan Blaney at 9,400. And then Tyler Reddick at 10,200. So that's where I think you can get a little bit more crafty with the three good drivers per se in your lineup, the three more expensive ones, I guess. Start out with Michael McDowell, Eric Jones, Alex Bowman. That puts you in a really good spot. You could have went a direction of upgrading to Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, and Tyler Reddick over Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, or rather Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, and Tyler Reddick. So it's kind of a pick your poison between Joey or Brad. Brad was a little more expensive. You get more bang for your buck. If you pick Joey in that lineup, you still have a 1,000 remaining salary left over, which I always tell people in Daily Fantasy, you don't have to feel pressured to use the whole salary. I feel like it's almost a trap sometimes. They want you to use it all. But I do like the idea of, of putting Brad in there better. It just feels a little more safe to me with, with the, the fact that they've been the best four team. But it's one of those weeks, though, just based on where the values roll out to start the week, it kind of feels like one of those where you have to work from the bottom up to make your lineup. That was really good advice. And I think it's really a good idea to have Michael McDowell as your base and then Eric Jones and Alex Bowman as your foundation. Then from there, here's what I found. So I think all the lineups I made, we had McDowell, Jones, Bowman, and Blaney. From there, what I found it that you could do, if you didn't like Brad Keselowski or Tyler Reddick, if you put Joey Logano in there in place of Brad Keselowski, you have enough money to put any of the favorites in there. We like Mm -hmm. Tyler Reddick over Hamlin and Larson, but you could fit Larson, Hamlin, Byron, Truex, whoever you want to put in there as your, your ace in the hole, you could fit them in there with Logano in place of Kislowski and building around Blaney, Bowman, Jones, McDowell. So um, I feel really, really good about this lineup. I think, again, it's a very, very strong base and foundation. And um, I, I would put some money on this for this weekend. I, I Again, I feel really good about it. And that was really good analysis, too, the fact that 
if you do choose Joey, you can upgrade to any of those drivers. And, and I, that's about as good as I feel about any lineup. Obviously, the way I'm kind of leaning with this now is after practice and qualifying, they're not going to adjust the odds on Daily Fantasy uh, following the week. So I like the idea of just pick whichever one of those aces looks the best coming out of practice and round out your lineup like that. If it happens to be Tyler Reddick, you can still afford a guy like Brad Keselowski. So there's a couple ways you could take that. I feel pretty good about that lineup as well. Uh, I feel really good about a lot of what we've discussed. I feel like we've we've had a, a really good track record at the intermediate tracks in the mile and a half this year. But let's put our money where our mouth is, Cole. Let's take it to the bank and discuss our race winner picks. Last week, I had pick first. I took Brad Keselowski, who wound up in the top 10. So did my uh, sleeper pick. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um, but without further ado, you have got first pick at a race winner this week when we go to Texas. Yeah, um, it, it's a little tough for me because I, I had Reddick on my mind the entire time going in, and that's what my gut's telling me. But I feel like I, I should go Denny Hamlin because I don't like picking drivers going back-to-back at certain tracks or uh, certain track variants, which Tyler Reddick fits both those categories. So... Uh, I'll just pick Tyler Reddick. I, I do feel good about him this weekend. Um, I'll go against my personal morals in, in picking him, but uh, I think he's going to be in line for a, definitely a top five day and, and likely a race winning day as well. Well, we mentioned it. I mean, he's been one of those teams that's really established themselves, the 45 team that is, as one of the best in the garage coming out of the round of 16. And I'm going to pick another one of those I just we go to these mile and a half tracks and I always tend to think of William Byron and there's a good reason for it. I know they didn't have a great race at Kansas, but I think that they're out to prove that these have been their their top tracks all year. Like they've been uh, the car that's led the most laps on mile and a halfs. They've finished in the top 3 almost every race at these kinds of tracks. I got to go with William Byron for the win this week. I would feel stupid to not do that and I think that you know, I mentioned that they were kind of in my four favorites coming out of the round of 16, but they didn't have the best round of 16. There were still Hamlin, Larson, and Reddick really proved themselves as the drivers to beat coming out of the round of 16. I, I feel like the, that the 2014 wants to make their presence known after they won the most races in the regular season. But then as I got to go for a sleeper pick, Cole, all of our sleepers are outside the top 15 in odds. Just about all of them are. And I'm going to pick another Hendrick Chevy. How about Alex Bowman for my sleeper this week? I just feel like that's a team that's been trending in the right direction. They want to start stringing together some good results as they prepare for 2024. It's a team that had high hopes this year, too, with the obviously injury derailed the season for that 48 team. I think that they, you know, we're not the only ones noticing they've put up some good results. They go to a, uh, a style of track that's been good to Hendrick Motorsports this year, a style of track that's been good for them recently, the 48 team. I, I like Alex Bowman as a sleeper this week. I, I think he has a very good chance to finish in the top 10. So I'm going all Hendrick with my picks this week. For me, um, I was going to go Michael McDowell because I really liked what I saw from that team last week. But I'm going to roll the dice here and go with Zane Smith in the 38 car. I just think there's a really good buzz around this driver and this team. He recently announced that he was going to be a, a track house affiliate racing for Spire Motorsports next year in the Cup Series. And he's obviously in the championship hunt once again in the truck series. So I think we've seen him make a few starts in the cup series. And every time he's made a start, he's impressed me personally. So I think he should be a uh, someone to watch for a nice, solid top 20 day, but challenging for a top 15. We've seen guys like Carson Hosever run extremely well um, in limited uh, opportunities this year. And I think Zane Smith uh, could definitely be in that same air. So 
I'll go with Zane Smith as a kind of a gut check. Yeah, I like that. We like to go with gut checks every once in a while for these. And you're right, there's a really good buzz with that driver and that team. And I think he's out to show people that he deserves that's – that's a deal with Trackhouse that he really deserves. And I think, you know, you've been on – he's been on your radar, I should say, from very early in his time in his developmental career. And we have all the confidence in the world. And no reason why that team can't put up a good result at the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 400. Say that. Five times fast. It's going to be this upcoming Sunday at 3.35 Eastern time. Texas is one of my favorite mile-and-a-half tracks. It always has been. Uh, I just It's got a good buzz around it. This is a track that obviously for me, Cole growing up a Jimmy Johnson fan, was always his best mile-and-a-half track, one of his best mile-and-a-half tracks that he always seemed to run well at. Um, I've got some good memories at, at this track from the playoffs. Uh, the one that sticks out to me was when he won in, I think it was 2000. 14 or 16 with the all red car it might have been two, it was 2013 actually he read with the he won with the all red car with the white racing stripes 2013 and route to his sixth championship that year that's one of my favorite texas playoff memories what else we got on tap this week what's in the on the docket for you do you have any favorite texas memories i mean you've got a couple minutes here to kind of give us your your closing thoughts on, on the texas race yeah, I think Texas is interesting because obviously it's gotten a bad stigma over the past few years with the next-gen car and the reconfiguration, but historically it's been a very eventful track both on and off. I think it's, it's been a lot of freak accidents and incidents. Like, I think back to um, when the parachuter got into the side of Kevin Harvick's car before the race, um, when Michael Waltrip dropped the taco on Denny Hamlin's car, and then there's some of the in-race stuff like um, the Jeff Burton-Jeff Gordon feud during the caution um, yep. stuff like that, but I, I just think the racing in general in the Gen 6 and COT era was really fun to watch. It was, uh, it felt like a real mile and a half race, whereas now it's kind of like single lane racing. There's not a whole lot of passing. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope they can get back to that this weekend. I have a lot of confidence they can, um, with a better, hopefully a better tire and then obviously the what we've seen at the mile and a half this year at, at Texas or at Kansas and Vegas. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Overall, I, I think it's been a fun track to watch over the years. Lost its luster a bit again over the last couple, but I'm excited for it. As am I, 3.35 Eastern time this upcoming Sunday. We're going to drop the jack here on the most important stop of the day. Chime in with us on social media, though, at the underscore money stop. Again, we're going to have the paint schemes up. Let us know what your favorite ones are. We'll give our nickels and dimes. We'll give you our kind of thoughts on the way things are developing throughout the weekend, whether it's practice, qualifying, other developing storylines, if our opinions change on certain things. But that's kind of the deep dive we take on the numbers entering every week. He's Cole Cusimano. I'm Stephen Cusimano. We're going to drop the jack on the most important stop of the day, the money stop. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and we hope you can bank out this week with us.